Today is the first day of Advent. Advent is about the coming of Christ on earth, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. But why is the first coming of Christ so special? Well, we need to go back to the beginning where the advent of Christ was first foretold. Well, welcome to God's Resistance this morning. Thank you for tuning in. We are going to be looking into the advent of Jesus Christ. And in order to do that, we have to go back to the beginning. Now, in the beginning, God created everything, and we are told by the Bible that everything was perfect. It was the way that God intended for everything to be. Then let's go to where sin entered in. Adam and Eve chose to disobey God. The only thing that they were told not to do, they did. And then the fall of mankind, the fall from that righteous, pure state into this sin and degradation and trouble that we find ourselves in right now. And with that fall comes a terrible despair. Because whereas, you know, people, Adam and Eve, as we read in the Bible, walked with God in the cool of the day, they no longer walk with God like that anymore. Now there's something in between them and God. Now that it isn't that perfection, it isn't that blissful state, there's much more trouble and despair now. So then the question comes up, where's the hope of humanity? Where's the hope for humanity? Now, regarding Christmas and regarding the advent of Jesus Christ, the coming of Christ is just another fairy tale if there's no context. If we don't have a context, it's just like another mythological story. It's another Christmas story. Add that with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Add that with, you know, Santa Claus coming down the chimney. Add that with all the different stories that we may like and that maybe we've even told our children or maybe we knew when we were younger or whatever it might be. Add that just to be another story amongst many. One of the, another book in a basket that you take out around the Christmas time to read about. But when we look at the context of, of the Bible, when we look at the context of Christ and his coming, we get a, a much bigger picture, a picture of reality. And in order for us to kind of unpack this, we're going to look in Genesis chapter three in verse eight. And speaking of Adam and Eve, it says, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he, God, said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree, whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent, he beguiled me and I did eat. Beguiled means he deceived me. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, verse 14, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. In verse 15, and I will put enmity, hostility between thee and the woman, between the serpent and the woman and between thy seed the devil's seed, and her seed, the woman's seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So what does this have to do when we think about the coming of Christ, when we think about the advent of Christ in regards to Christmas time? Well, it doesn't make any sense that anyone would be expecting this one to come, that there's really any need for this one to come. I mean, why do we need 
a savior? Why do we need things to be different? Why why is it that we need things that seem to be broken right now to be fixed? Why wh- who is this Jesus? I mean, if we just live a good life, isn't that good enough? If we just kind of mind our own business and try and do good to our family and to the community around us and you know, we just we you know, Christmas is really just all about family, isn't it? That's mo- most of what we hear in these days and there's nothing wrong with that. I enjoy spending time with family as well. However, there's something far deeper than just family. There's something far deeper than just festivities. My wife happens to really like Christmas time because in Christmas, uh, you know, in that season, at least up where we are, the Northern Hemisphere, it gets cold. It gets, days are dark. Days are are shorter. The night is longer. And she said it. she just likes the, the brightness of that season, what it means. And, you know, she likes decorating and putting lights up and things of that nature. So we're not against the festivities necessarily. Uh, we're not against, you know, that that just joy that comes around there, but we've got to see where it comes from. When we look at the beginning, as we are told here, Adam and Eve, there was nothing between them and God at first. It says in Genesis that they walked with God in the cool of the day. They walked with him, they talked with him, they spoke with him, and he with them. There was just an open communication with them. It also says that they were naked and they weren't ashamed. And then as the, this time goes on, God calls Adam and Eve after they have just disobeyed. Now, is it that God didn't know where they were? He certainly did know where they were. But what that what had happened was they sinned against God. It was the first sin ever committed by human beings. They sinned against God, and inherently, they're trying to hide from God. They're trying to hide their sins. Sounds like what parents have to deal with when kids do something wrong. What do they try and do? They try and hide the wrong that they've done. Even adults, when they grow up, you know, it's it, we want to try and hide the evil things that we've done because we're ashamed of them, and rightfully so. We should be because we understand that there's a moral compass inside of us, and there's a morality in life that is sought after and desired, and there's an immorality in life that we hate and we want to get away from. Well, here, God speaks And after they have just sinned, they have hidden, and and God calls to Adam, and he says, where are you? You know, God speaks to us in his voice, trying to locate us, not because he doesn't know where we are, but because he's, he's initiating a conversation. He's looking for a response from us, because God is always the initiator to things when he's trying to get a hold of us. He's the one that takes the first step. However, he will never force us to take the step back toward him. So he calls out in a question, where are you, Adam? Thankfully, Adam at that point, that was the only voice he knew beside his wife's. And he says, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Now, nakedness was nothing to them before this time period. They just, it was natural and there was nothing evil about it. Like right now, because of sin entering into the world, there is there's a loss of innocence. If people were walking around naked, people would be lusting after one another and probably atrocious crimes would take place because of the degradation of sin that's happened inside of our world. And there's nothing that's that's sinful where a woman should desire a man or a man should de- desire a woman. And there is that 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 acknowledgement that that you know the opposite sex is attractive. Uh, that is normal, and that is part of everyday life. But lusting after somebody is where you have crossed the line and have now taken it into an evil realm that was never intended from the beginning. Adam and Eve, they're walking around naked. They're not ashamed. They're not trying to hide themselves. But now all of a sudden they are. And God says to them, who told you you were naked? And the blame game starts. Who told you you were naked? Did you eat of the tree that I told you not to? 
And he's talking to Adam and Adam says, it's the lady's fault. It's the lady you gave me. She told me to eat, so I ate it. Then God goes to the lady and says, what is this? Is this true? And she says, oh, it is true, but it was the serpent. He tricked me. He told me to do it. Then she blames the serpent. So it goes from the man blaming his wife, then to the wife blaming the serpent. And now God deals with the serpent as we read inside of this account. And God says to the serpent, because you've done this, you are cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. So whatever the serpent was before this time, it appears to be that it stood up on all fours at least. And at this point now has been down on its belly. That was part of the curse, according to Genesis 3.14. And he said, you're gonna eat dust. This is gonna be how this goes for the rest of your days. So your high and exalted position is now dropped down to the lowest position. We read in the scriptures and we realize that Satan was an angel that seemed to have something to do with music. He was some, uh, you know, the highest angel uh, in God's host. And because he said, I want to be like the most high, and he wanted to ascend the throne, he started a rebellion in heaven, and God kicked him out, and the devil drew a third of God's angels uh, with him. And so that high exalted position that God had given to the devil had been lost as he has started this rebellion, not only in heaven, but he's starting this rebellion even amongst God's creation and creatures of humanity, Adam and Eve, the first humans. And now he has caused trouble here and there's a curse now. He is taken from his highest position down to his lowest position. And so then we read as he is speaking to the devil, God is speaking to the devil. He says, I will put enmity or hostility between you and the woman. Now, there has always been a hostility, the, the, the epic battle of good and evil, right? And the, the epic battle, it seems to be, as we're told, that the devil is now has his guns pointed at humanity, trying to destroy humanity, trying to burn up humanity, trying to cause trouble, because if he can ruin God's creation, then it's like he's fighting and warring against God, and maybe he's got a chance at ascending that throne, even though that's absolutely ludicrous. Because God, if he's an infinite being, has all power way above and beyond any devil. And so the devil just trying to do as much damage as he possibly can to this God that he hates because he's been kicked out of that glorious position that he was in because of his rebellion toward God. And he says, I'll put hostility between you and the woman. And the woman represents all of mankind at this point too because of the her offspring that's gonna come from her. But he said, there's gonna be hostility between you, devil and between humanity, and between the woman, and between her seed, there's going to be an awful uh, hostility. And there is that. There's a war going on. And you can see that throughout the ages. Even, even in civilizations where it wasn't necessarily a Christian civilization, you find where evil has come into civilizations. And then you find, I mean, even if we just look at Roman culture, they realize, you know what? We've got to elevate society way above and beyond just this degraded society. So they had they were seeking after virtue. They had... Uh, philosophers, they had the Stoics, they had all different ones trying to make life better, more wholesome, more moral. Now that only can go so far, excuse me, because they were in a moral people and they still did immoral things, but they nevertheless saw the value of it. And they were all the time fighting against wickedness and the degradation of sin in some way, shape or form, though they're trying to do it in their own power and strength with their own philosophies in their own way. Enmity has gone between the, the, the devil and people. And more specifically, this woman, Eve, through the long line and the long lineage of offspring from that point forward, was going to give us this seed. 
We're told later in the scripture, this seed is the promised one, the Messiah, the savior of the entire world. He said, between your seed, the devil's seed, all his children, whoever follows after wickedness and sin and Satan, there is going to be enmity between you, devil, between your children, between the ones that follow after you, and between Christ and the followers of Christ. We find that right now. Even right now, as we uh, hear certain rhetoric that's going on, trying to label every Christian under some kind of fascist Nazism and saying uh, Christian nationalism, almost trying to make Christians seem like they're fascists and make Christians seem like they're the problem and scum of society, you can see that the devil hates Christianity and hates good and right. And you can see that the devil is making war with Jesus Christ and with the followers of Jesus Christ right now. By the way, fascism is wrong. The thing that happened under Nazi Germany and communist Romania and Russia and all that stuff, gross wickedness and evil. I'm not trying to condone that. But what I'm saying is the devil is tricking people. The devil is trying to twist the narrative of a story because he is at war with Jesus Christ and his followers. And any people that are not serving Jesus Christ are by default either useful idiots of the devil or purposefully serving him. And therefore this warfare that happens in front of us. But he said, that is the warfare that's gonna happen throughout all time. But here's where the advent comes in. Here is the first promise that there is coming somebody here in the future that's going to defeat the devil and all this wickedness and just kind of reorder everything in existence and make it better. And he says, your seed, it shall bruise thy head. He's talking to the devil. So the seed of the woman, Jesus Christ, will bruise the serpent, that is Satan's head, and thou, the Satan, the serpent, will bruise the heel of Jesus Christ. What is this talking about? It's talking about the crucifixion. So the devil tried to destroy God's salvation, Jesus Christ, by by making wicked men be so vehemently angry towards Jesus Christ to hang him on the cross and take care of him once and for all. But he, though he killed him, was unsuccessful because Jesus rose again from the dead and ultimately the uh, seed of the woman, he bruised the head of Satan and all Satan got was the heel of the savior of the world. So when we think about the coming of Jesus Christ, it is packed with far more meaning than simply wonderful festivities. It is the undoing of wickedness and sin and degradation in our society. So on this first Advent Sunday, let's get a good look up into the face of God, into the face of Jesus Christ, and thank God that he has sent a redeemer, one whom the government of all the world will be upon his shoulders, where he will undo all the damage that has been created by sin, We want to look up into his face. And I want you to do that at this point, dear listener, amongst all the festivities. Be thankful toward God. Be thankful for his salvation and join the resistance. Your next step is to call 570-362-7782 or visit godsresistance.com. Thank you for listening.